Welcome to Jeffer Bites, a podcast that delivers thought-provoking ideas and meaningful debates from the iconic Z Jeffer Literature Festival. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. In our first ever episode of Jeffer Bites, my guest is Sanjoy Roy, the managing director of Teamwork Arts and producer of the Z Jeffer Literature Festival. Sanjoy talks about how the festival got started, his favorite memories from their decade-long history, and what you can expect to see and hear when the 5-day festival returns to Jaipur in January. everybody thinks that jaipur was uh, this product of festival that we conceived of and knew, we knew from day one what it was going to be like and how successful it was and much as harvard business school teaches a case study on you know yeah. how we had a 5 year plan and a 10 year plan and whatever all of this actually happened by accident so in 2001 2002 um Faith and John Singh from Anokhi, and John had been working a lot in built heritage, in just in terms of preserving the old Havelis in Amir, in the old town of Amir. And they had come out to Edinburgh and seen what we were doing at the Edinburgh Festival, mm-hmm. and just creating this very large platform for Indian work, but looking at how it could be merged into the built heritage of the Edinburgh Festival, which is primarily what the festival. and they got very excited and said you know can we do this in jaipur in the same way and get people to understand that old buildings have a value which can yeah. be realized and in realizing that value you you're going to be able to preserve it and when they mooted the idea of setting up the jaipur virasat heritage festival we went out there basically to advise them and help them and you know try and get them to see what format this yeah. festival would take but we weren't enthused about running it so you know on, on and off we used to produce a aspect of the festival because we realized that the politics of the city was so complicated that being from outside it would really yeah. be problematic as to how to get your head around it and then of course um as time went by that festival started growing and they set up uh william and namita used to curate a literature program within that festival within the yapur virasat heritage festival but unfortunately that festival due to all of its contradictions and much of the issues around financial support etc sort of fell apart at which point of time faith and john and william and everybody sort of called to say would you like to you know come in and how can you allow your baby to die and yeah. you know can you please look at taking it on and we decided that we would split the literature program from the existing festival right. and then we split that and we created what is today the jaipur literature festival mostly by accident right certainly <laughs> not by purpose yeah and i think that first year i remember you know or uh, 9 o'clock in the morning standing outside on a cold blustery winter foggy day in jaipur unusual wondering whether we would even get 200 people to come in to fill 
the chairs in the darbar hall yeah and i was telling my colleagues you know why don't we empty out a few chairs <coughs> so that uh, it doesn't look empty it doesn't look full and from there uh, what it's built into now is obviously you know a completely different completely yeah. different beast but the pillars on which we what we set up the festival continue in the same tradition we were very clear that we wanted it to be a city festival mm -hmm. open to everybody we wanted to focus uh, uh to young people uh, schools colleges uh, you know educational institutions etc we wanted it to be a platform for all kinds of conversations and discussions uh, across points of view across yeah. color across national boundaries across religions across all the political divide that you can look at and then with that we knew that we had uh, uh as as the great pillars on which to build on the incredible city which was jaipur full of all of this romantic heritage where every brick and every stone had a story uh, behind it mm -hmm. you know and um, stories of love and betrayal of of hatred and war and dissolution and all of that and we knew that we had uh, the color that is very much a tradition of rajasthan and its desert and of course india uh, we had um uh, the inspiration of coming to this place called india and then using our many offices across the world we were able to get the word out very quickly i mean mm -hmm. remember the in, in the first year we started work in december for a festival in january right you know and even then we were able to i think that first year get 4 or 5000 people coming through our gates over two and a half days music in the evening you know you ate and we turned all of the venues around at the same time and digi palace wasn't what it was what it is today mm -hmm. digi palace was a small uh, heritage hotel mostly a hostelry a lot of their rooms they used to give out as a hostel so not this sort of magnificent yeah. hotel that it is today uh, but ram pratap and jyotika i think had that vision or a shared vision in terms of realizing the potential of something like this and uh, having them on board and having them really buy into it and year on year after that they were able to in many ways you know they realized that our problem was space mm -hmm. so they continued to get back the space that their forefathers had leased out to other people etc making the place bigger and larger and more comfortable and adding now i mean when we started i think there were two loos which were public <laughs> in the entire hotel to there there's 118 yeah. loos for example so much has sort of changed in so many ways and yet the basic fundamentals of the festival uh, haven't right and you know you can sit on the front lawn as you could in the in the early years and you could travel the world without having moved an inch mm. and i remember the first time i think it was a a session by vikram seth that we decided that we would do in the front lawn and not in the main darbar hall which was our principal venue in those days 
and our thing was that oh my god you know that means it will pull all the people out of this area mm-hmm. which was the darbar hall and the betak which used to be yeah. opposite the darbar hall and the workshop area on the other side and everybody would disappear to the front lawn so what would happen in the darbar hall would there be enough people so we said no no we'll only do one or two you know big sessions and that's right. it <laughs> and make sure that there's equally good programming in the other spaces but you know as, as history shows that we went from those two venues to then we added the you know, we added the front lawn to it then we added the charbag which was across the thing and then the new betak was built and you know, the mughal tent was created etc so year on year now you know to be yeah. we have six venues plus the jbm and it's been it's not been a long time in terms of any festival it's only yeah. you know 11 years old next year is going to be the 12th anniversary of it which is a auspicious number so it's not been a long time for a festival like this yeah and the world over it is seen to be you know the fastest growing cultural brand in that sense so it's been a very exciting exciting journey yeah when you um think of these these past 11 festivals in Jaipur what is like when you just think of that is there a certain memory that pops up when you think of what's happened over all these 11 years what's something that personally you reflect back on like that was that was a good moment you know there's so many wonderful moments but really the time when we realized that the festival was successful in the sense of that it ticked the boxes that we wanted it to tick which is make it a city festival was four years i think three may maybe three years or four years i can't quite remember i was standing uh, at the fountain at the roundabout mm-hmm. we had just put into place on the weekend security for the first time because it used to get very crowded on the weekend and uh, so i was just standing to see how things would work it was early in the morning maybe 8 o'clock or something we just opened the doors and a man and a boy walked in and they obviously looked like they didn't necessarily belong right and the guards stopped them <coughs> because i was there i walked up and i said you know bhaiya kya baat hai or can i help you and he said you know i sleep on the on the pavement opposite sms hospital mm-hmm. and i know i'll never be able to afford to buy my son a book nor send him to school but i thought if he heard a story it would change his life forever and that's the reason i have come and i'm really sorry and blah blah and i said no this is you know the festival is for you yeah and for us that was the great moment because we realized for people like them to even step through the haveli gates of a diggi palace mm-hmm. would in many ways be unthinkable because places like rajasthan live in many centuries at the same time and it was fascinating and then some years later i remember when i was standing at the circle at this one very tall gentleman with a pagri white pagri and white came up to me and he said you know namaskar i am a former teacher from this village 40 kilometers from gorakhpur and i've been following everything about your festival and i'm fascinated about it and i've come with four or five of Uh, my village co-folks mm-hmm. and then they went back that year and they set up a a village a reading club 
uh, a book club in their village. And then last year, I think when they when I met, had the occasion to meet them again, he had bought ten or eleven other villagers from six other villages in the area, where they all set up a book club and they mm -hmm. share their books, etc. Now that's enormous amount of amount of change. And you know what is it that we say that to bring about any kind of change in in a society where there is inequity be it America, Australia, or Africa, or India, or any such place, then the only people who can bring about change really are the young. Yeah. And the way that you can bring about that change is through knowledge and education. The only way. And this is what, you know, festivals like this do. Allow you access to that kind of knowledge, you know, in many ways free of cost, uh, which is why it's so exciting. So those were, you know, some of the things that we knew, and of course, you know, then you read uh, much of what's written, and of course, each year, the number of people coming to the festival mm -hmm. have uh, increased literally by 100%. Yeah. So 5,000 in year one, 10 or 12,000 in year two, 24, 25,000, and then, you know, 50,000, and then. 100, 120,000, and then 200 odd thousand, and now, of course, what it is about a million, a half a million people who come through our doors, but another million people who access it through, you know, online, yeah. through social media, through our live links, through the shares that happens, etc. That again is is very exciting that you can have a festival uh, which is very much uh, flesh and blood. Yeah. Uh, and and you know on the floor, but you can also have it out there in the firmament, uh, and it'll live on in a way beyond yeah. any of us who've been part of the inception of the festival. On the morning of the first day of of uh, the Jaipur Literature Festival, what is right before inauguration when you're when you know you're, you're, the next five days are going to be uh, one of the biggest things ever? What's going on in, in your head on the morning of? So far, every, every festival has had uh, some controversy uh, on its opening. So much of my time gets spent in terms of how do you deal with that without right. allowing that particular aspect to distract from the festival. Right. And when I say distract, meaning, you know, what does a controversy do? Everybody says, oh, we run after controversies. We don't because we believe that what a controversy does is then just focuses on one subject, one issue of the 300 or 400 odd speakers who we bring to the festival, Nobel laureates, Booker Prize winners, Pulitzer Prize winners, Sahitya Academy Award winning authors and authors who represent a range of issues from particle physics and black hole to math and philosophy to travel and fiction to poetry and genetics and artificial intelligence and everything. Then to have all of these people or all of the media only being attracted to this one issue, yeah. which is the controversy, and ignoring this wealth of incredible knowledge and information and richness mm -hmm. that no money could ever buy yeah. for any of these people who are able to access it. It's very sad. Hmm. 
you know so much of my first days obviously get caught up in yeah. that and it's been year on year but it's also because for us the festival begins many days in advance yeah. it begins with the setup the training your training over 4000 people who are part of the festival and our training sessions are long and arduous and exciting and you know you have to motivate them and because these are the people who are the front line of the festival so everybody has to feel that they own it and they are mm-hmm. an ambassador to it and they're yeah. part of it so for us the festival yes it may start on x date with the inauguration but in actuality the x date is right. you know day minus 10 yeah. which is when the festival actually sets off for day minus uh, uh, you know 6 months because today the festival is not necessarily only about january uh, in june we have london in september we have uh, the united states and canada in november we have australia so the festival actually in a sense lives 24/7 yeah because the messaging is being put out episodes are going out hot star versions are being uh, cut so it's not any more oh we are leading up to and this is the festival starting mm-hmm. it's pretty much 24/7 because the programming you will see at every festival we publish the list the first list of speakers for the next year's festival yeah that means yeah. we are all to now our programming is long lock, locked and dusted and put to bed you know in october yeah and much of our work now is 2019 mm. i've just come back from america after you know houston and new york just looking at the 2019 dates scheduling who are we getting first nation speakers african caribbean latino you know what's the next mm-hmm. for us it's always what's the next yeah and being able to put a pulse on what do we need to capture you know like this year i mean next year our big debate is going to be on why am i a liberal you know or does liberalism in many ways stop other kinds of conversations right last year before me too became uh, such a movement as it has our debate was on on me too mm-hmm. you know and people forget that much of what we do is you know try and look ahead and i remember salman khurshid once saying to me he had come this year for the festival not that he had a book he just come and he said you know the reason i come is to get a a finger on the pulse of the young people of india and i tell all my colleagues on all sides of the political divide go there you'll understand the india that we need to be looking to mm-hmm. and that's the exciting and amazing thing about uh, jaipur it attracts so many different kinds of people and 61% of our people are below the age or within that age group of 25 to uh, you know an average age of 25 which is unheard of across the world i mean authors when they come out to jaipur and they see the sea of humanity stretching in front of them they are absolutely polarized as to you know the numbers that they have been to speak to and the fact that they also young and also engaged in every question that a young person asks is so uh, considered mm-hmm. you know that's the incredible thing about it that people are engaged in it and then of course you know for all the naysayers who say books are dead 100000 books were sold this year in 5 days in the festival 
uh, bookstore at Full Circle, which is again, you know, what mm -hmm. five bookstores in a city would sell in an entire month. You know, so the, the city is huge. Yeah. I mean, the the business of it today is seen to be quite quite interesting. And if you look at the progress over the last you know decade or so, uh, a bestseller earlier, a hard copy bestseller, would be three thousand books in English. Today it's 30,000, you know, so the book business has mm -hmm. grown. And the fact that, as somebody was telling me yesterday, I was under the impression there's about 120 odd new festivals that have arisen across the length and breadth of the country. And somebody corrected me and said, no, we made a list and it's 330. Anyway, yeah. irrespective of whether it's <coughs> 100 odd or 300 odd, the fact that literature and writing and reading and having a literature festival has become sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, it is the new coming of age of a music festival, which used to be the big sort of, uh, you know, bringing together of people uh, through the 80s and 90s. Today it is a literature festival. Yeah. You know, and every city has not just one, it has a number of them. Look at Delhi. I think Delhi itself has three or four literature festivals of varying kinds. Calcutta has four and Bangalore has three and you know so on and so forth. And now even Jaipur has two. It has a second parallel mm -hmm. literature festival <laughs> that's been set up, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, we love this kind of stuff. And that shows the, that mostly shows the success of what mm -hmm. we've been able to achieve. That we've been able to create something, a movement. Uh, and not just in India, everything from the Bay Book area uh, Berkeley Bay Book Area Literature Festival, to Bhutan, to Nepal, everybody sort of pays allegiance that their motivation came from seeing the success of this, mm. be it in Bangladesh, be it in Pakistan, or Sri Lanka, etc. That's exciting. Yeah. The, so given that, you know, you are creating this and many other festivals all year round, do you, during these five days, is there a point where you actually are able to find that moment to enjoy what you are a part of? It gets difficult, I mean, because the five days are quite relentless. And remember, you know, we are up at six o'clock and we sleep at one o'clock. So uh, the, the, the strain, the physical strain is mm -hmm. quite a lot. I, I try and receive people for an hour every morning uh, at the festival. There's sessions to be anchored, there's the politics to be handled, there's the press to be managed and everything else, just the Damage whole control. aspect of yeah. aspect of hospitality. But I do yeah. try and get in as many sessions as I can. I try and make it a point of uh, every hour on the hour if I'm not uh, doing a session and not handling a crisis, at least going to three sessions each so that one is also able to understand what is going on in the session? Is it a good session? Who is a great speaker? Because we are also then looking at what session works and what would work for us in London or New right. York or Houston or Boulder, Colorado or Adelaide or wherever else we have our, our extension. So it's much of that. So, mm -hmm. But yes, on the third day, you know, when we roughly know that we're halfway yeah. uh, done and, uh, you know, half of it is behind us, yeah. you tend to start breathing a little easier. And by the time the Sunday evening uh, passes, you know, you know that, you know, there is a whole new world ahead of you uh, because 
you know, as they say, anything can happen anytime. Yeah. And for us, just being able to keep everybody safe and make sure that everybody's having a good time and feeling looked after and so on and so forth is hugely important. And so let's skip to the ride back home on Monday or so Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. Are you already thinking of the next session by then or are you then thinking, okay, this is what I really enjoyed of, this is what we want again. What's going on? So, so the time? Tuesday mostly is spent in, in, in thank yous because we host all of the police personnel who, who obviously work so hard in keeping the festival safe. Um, they're the average police person on the street, the traffic people, the people within the compound. We host all of them. We host all our volunteers uh, uh, collectively for a lunch. We listen to them. We listen to what worked for them, what went wrong, what were the high points, who said what, etc. So it's much of that is really about assimilation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the Wednesday or Thursday, you know, when one starts heading back home, by which time much of my focus is already on wherever I'm supposed to be next. Right our offices across the world. Because Jaipur takes up so much of time in December, January, like I came back last week and now I won't travel till right. the festival. So there's this immediate pressure uh, of having to get out. Yeah. So by and large, in two or three days, I'm, I'm off to wherever else. And then the process of, of reviews, you know, every yeah. department is reviewed. We're able to look at it, then we do a creative session for what's next. Mm -hmm. What do we do for next year to make it better? What are the areas that we need to look at? Issues of budgets, you know, all of those mm -hmm. are, are also enormous. And it takes, it takes a year. Every festival takes 18 months to create. You know, so for those people who think, yes, you can get up in the morning and do a festival of this size, you certainly can't do the world's biggest festival, mm -hmm. you know, with a week or 10 days planning. It yeah. takes a whole year and an entire tribe of many tribes working together to be able to make it a reality. So besides of all the things that the festival is already credited to uh, achieving and, and inspiring and, and building in entire industries now, it has it's it's very much responsible for putting India Indian art culture and just the country's politics it's it's where it stands in the world economy so many discussions happen it's taken India to the world stage through all the JLFs that happen all year round what is that for you when you know that you've what you've created is part of the country's culture how do you process that, that, that what you're creating has such, such a big scale now? You know, we, we, we always, or I certainly have always looked at the arts as this one bridge or a, or a window into another world, another philosophy, another history, another culture, another way of doing business, etc. And remember, our international festivals actually in many ways predate the Jaipur Literature Festival. So we were out in the world before we came back and started doing more and more in India. Um, for us, it's not so much only about taking India to the world, but it's also about bringing the world to India. Mm -hmm. And 
in principle what it is is really making it easier uh, for the world to access a point of view which is different from theirs. And we've seen it, you know, when we do stuff in America, you can assume that, you know, if you're not in America or from America or, out of, or about America, you could well be from Mars or Neptune or Venus or wherever. Mm -hmm. And being able to, in many ways, um, being able to assimilate cultures, not e-culture, but cultures, allow for platforms for different points of view, allow for different kinds of people to come together. And most of our festivals look at collaborations. Mm -hmm. Most of our festivals look at how do we leverage the talent in that city or that country, be it Hong Kong, Australia, or Singapore, or Korea, or, you know, America or Egypt or Zimbabwe or whatever. I mean, Glenn, for example, from Zimbabwe, this young, incredibly talented dancer, he got inspired to learn Bharatanatyam. Won a scholarship, we helped him, we you know support him in India. And last week for his Arangetram, he worked with, uh, he, he studied under Guru Saroja. And it is incredible to see what he has assimilated. He is an absolute brilliant, electrifying uh, African Zimbabwean dancer doing Bharatanatyam. Mm -hmm. You know, using his body yeah. energy, which as we know from the African continent, they have this inbuilt thing of movement and bringing that power and energy to Bharatanatyam. Absolutely stunning. Or Sharad Chandra Shivastav on the violin going out to Edinburgh for one of our festivals and then starting to collaborate, same with them all over the place. So, you know, there's so many wonderful stories. Or in Alice Springs, this group of women, Aboriginal uh, community singers working with Shubhendra and Saskia and creating, oh my God, this incredible piece of music. Or these Aboriginal dancers being part of our gala at the Sydney Opera House and watching the Sydney Opera House audience weeping and crying and giving them a standing ovation. Why? Because we, we have that kind of sensibility of being able to understand the way the world outside of India views the arts and views a production or its quality. And we're able to present India in a way that's accessible without in any way compromising on its quality. Because our whole belief is do innovative work, look at it from a young perspective, but ensure that it's excellent and present it in mainstream venues where the largest arts going public can have access to it and where the diaspora would be a subsect and the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. And similarly, when thousands of people come to India during the festival, and these are uh, journalists, writers for the first time, Jermaine Greer is coming, etc. Margaret Atwood came for the first time, Michael Andanche. For them, taking away or breaking down, I'm, I mean, Margaret Atwood, it took four years to convince her that the minute she touched down in India, she wouldn't die. <laughs> of some unknown, you know, disease. Right. She was very 
She was very worried, and she is, you know, quite aged in that sense. Or a David Hare, or a Tom Stoppard, or a Ben Okri, or a Juno Diaz. All of these people coming and understanding that this is such a vibrant place. Or a Oprah Winfrey when she first came to India uh, for the Jaipur Festival. And, you know, we, we get this email saying, would you consider inviting Oprah to the festival? Would we consider <laughs> inviting you? Bet we would. <coughs> so after we finished the first lot of email, mail exchanges, the first was that, would you provide her an interpreter? And I have to say that we have more English-speaking people in India than you have in the United States of America. <laughs> and the second one was, will you give her a chair? And my colleague and I was in South Africa. We assumed that, you know, Oprah was there at that point of time in one of our HIV things. We assumed she'd gone to a village. They hadn't given her a chair. So we said, yes, we'll give yeah. her a chair. And the third was, will you, how would you pick her up? So I said, elephant or camel. And said, <laughs> you know, would she need to train? So, you know, breaking some of the myths that, yeah, uh, yeah. that India tends to self-propagate, uh, you know, to people who have no understanding and only have heard of this, you know, the chaos and the traffic and the madness and now, of course, the pollution and the environmental issues. But really, when they're coming in here, realizing the warmth and the color and the diversity and the incredible breadth and length of the creative industries or the creative sector that we have here in India is astonishing. Second to none anywhere in the world. And that's, you know, that's the exciting, exciting mm. thing. And then for us personally, you know, one goes around the world and we receive every day hundreds of books, hundreds of links to new shows, theater, music, dance, puppetry, etc. Just being able to discover that one new talent, you know, yeah. see a lot of shit as well. But when you hear or listen to that one new something, lifts your soul, you know, and on, or on opening night when you see the curtain go up, you're anticipating, and that show is a huge success, blows you away. Mm. Every year we talked about this, uh, there's over half a million people walking in through the doors uh, nowadays. So, but every year we're also, you're also seeing new people who've never been to the festival before. Let's say someone listening to this is, is, is coming to 2019. What advice or thing do you want them to think about looking at what they're about to experience? What would you like to share with those people? So don't come with any preconceived notions. You're not walking into a precious club of deep academic thinking. You are going to stumble upon writers and speakers you have never, ever heard of, but who are accessible and some of the best brains in the world. And even if you've come for the pizza or for the selfie or for, you know, <laughs> hanging out or a date night, you know, and you stumble upon a session and you go away with an idea, that's fantastic. Because until unless each of us open our minds to the other, you know, we're not going to be able to succeed in our own lives. So as young people, just come with an open mind, come with sensible uh, footwear if you're a girl. <laughs> and because you, you walk a lot in the yeah. festival. And as somebody last year sent me an email, this year sent me an email, he clocked it on his uh, <coughs> wristband. He walked 41 kilometers in the wow. five days. <laughs> so if you want to lose weight, 
it's the way place to be <laughs> is there one thing that you think people would be surprised they that they that isn't talked about enough but happens at the festival that that they would be surprised that is also something that they can access or visit or attend the festival is such a melting pot of people that people meet other people who they haven't seen for 25 years and 30 years and young people who come from singapore and dubai and sri lanka and calcutta and chennai and you know delhi and all parts of the world so you will always stumble upon and create a new group of friends mm -hmm. and most importantly you will also hopefully have created a wonderful memory which will then stay with you uh through the rest of life so speaking of the upcoming festival again what is one particular conversation or panel or person that you are personally excited to be meeting seeing uh at this uh festival well you know there's such an incredible array of amazing speakers we have andre akiman who wrote call me by your name which i think yeah. is one of the most sensitive love stories in recent times um he's in the adaptation panel he's in the adaptation panel absolutely the, there's like manisha yeah. there's manisha koirala you know she's a cancer survivor she's doing her new book i think a great story of of uh, of fortitude and and um, she's had a very challenging time um, and she's a survivor and i think that's that's again uh, incredible there's priyamvada natrajan who's work in the sciences is just absolutely stunning and for anybody who has seen life of pi which i think is one of the most brilliant films of recent times and then read the book uh, life of pi by jan martel so jan's going to be there chitra they banerjee devakurni work on mythology and sita etc very much at indian diasporic point of view you know because she is american again incredible Golson Whitehead, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning author, fantastic. Those people who love the popular fiction of Jeffrey Archer, Jeffrey is going to be there. Uh, Manoranjan Biapari, one of the most incredible stories of recent times, where Manoranjan, I think, murdered his first victim when he was eight years or eleven years, went on to becoming a Naxalite in Bengal. fought his way through you know created a multitude of whatever landed up in jail and in jail he taught himself to write looking at the signage he used to use a stick and write in the mud and understand and then during his period of jail in many many years i think two or decades he read 200 books coming out of jail he's given a rickshaw as part of his rehabilitation and one day he picked up this lady and he's reading a book and he asked the lady you know do you know this word mm -hmm. and the lady said yeah this is the meaning of the word but how did you come across the word and he says you know i was reading a book so she says what book he says i was reading mahashweta devi's uh, book so she says do you have it and he pulls it out from under the seat of the rickshaw they've now arrived at the destination and while she's alighting she says i am mahashweta devi <laughs> I love your story. Why don't I help you publish your first first article which he does yeah. today he's a celebrated writer whose books are being translated across 10 languages 
primarily because he was discovered in the Jaipalurja festival. What an amazing mm-hmm. story. Or Perumal, uh, Perumal Murugan with his, uh, with his new book that's just come out. So, you know, Ucha Uttup, legendary singer of all times, uh, the lady who sang made pop fashionable along with Kanji Bharam Sari. You know, what better way can you look at? For women and the entire movement, Jermaine Greer is coming to India, I think, for the very first time. Mary Beard is going to be coming again, you know, in, she's, I heard Mary Beard for the first time at the Hay Festival in, in Hay on Wai and I was like just completely bowled over by the sheer brilliance of somebody like her. Uh, Sohela Abdulali, her book on rape, again, quite incredible. We have issues on migration, so Amitabha Kumar and Nikhil Shukla, Sanjay Hazarika. Economics is a big, this thing, we've got James uh, Crabtree. Environment, of course, there's Varun Shivaraman, who used to be an advisor to the Obama administration on uh, the climate change, etc., and his book, Big Book on the Sun. Uh, there's Maja Rundi's book on the bees, which, you know, created a whole a new environmental awareness. There's Rom Whitaker for anybody who's interested in snakes. There's, of course, Ruth Padel on her elephant journey, uh, and we continue to do lots of stuff with Western Nation. Poetry, poetry has always been one of our big focuses, you know, so poetry uh, will continue to do, uh, be our big theme. Artificial intelligence with Toby Walsh, who's again coming for the first time, and Meredith Broussard from uh, uh, MIT, who's going to be there. Uh, 377 having just come into its own, there's going to be a whole series of stuff there. And of course, then is our incredible fiction writing series with Hari Kanzru, and Anita Nair and Alexander McCall Smith and Andrew uh, Seen Greer and Colson Whitehead and uh, yeah, elections. I mean, elections in yeah. April perhaps. And so we have the big new books, Naveen Chawla's new book, Espai Qureshi's new book, Ornit uh, Shahani, an Israeli academic who's now in, in the UK, has written about the first census, an incredible story. There's RTI, which we all know is such mm-hmm. an important thing. There's Harsh Mandar and Aruna Roy. Uh, there's post-America, you know, post-American world with Stephen Cole, with Farid Zakaria. Uh, of course, all the journalists that we have, Jeremy Paxman, Nikhil Kumar, etc. Art, we've got Anish Kapoor coming. We've got Mark Quinn coming uh, again. Uh, so that's amazing. We've got a great new series on music, you know, whole... So there's not just the music stage, which is an incredible yeah. opportunity in itself, but sessions specially by the people from music who are going to be talking about some of the aspects of what has been like, what has their journey been like, what's their whole musical traditions been like. So that's going to be all at Clark. So we're extending the music yeah. program starting earlier in the day, etc. Um, and of course... We have all of the young adult stuff. You know, we have a very focused program for young people. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's... Something for everyone. There's something for everybody, not just one. So, finally, uh, as you know, this is is one of the new things that we're doing with uh, the festival. Giving people worldwide, people who may not even be able to come to Jaipur, people who visited in the past, this is one of the new ways in which they can experience uh, the festival. So, what are your thoughts on creating these new digital avenues for people to experience uh, the Jaipur Literature Festival? 
We are very aware that not everybody can come to the festival, not just that it's physically difficult to make long journeys, but also for us to accommodate so many people. So if you're at home and if you have time or in your own time or in a cab or in your car or in a plane, put your headphones on, uh, get a download of, uh, you know, one of the many episodes that you're going to yeah. be, I think, recording. It is exciting and we're always excited about making sure that the festival is accessible across every platform uh, possible in whatever way that it's convenient. And finally, you know, it's all about knowledge. It's all about increasing your knowledge coefficient and being able to understand what the world is about. So, you know, for us, it's very exciting and we're hugely thankful for you all for making this initiative possible and taking to the world uh, memories and experiences and conversations, debates and discussions and dissent from the launch of the Jaipur Literature Festival. Thank you for listening to Jepper Bites. This podcast is produced by Launchora, a storytelling and creative learning platform, in partnership with Teamwork Arts, the producers of the Z Jepper Literature Festival. We'll be posting new episodes of Jepper Bites every week leading up to the 2019 festival, which will be held from January 24th to 28th in Jepper. During the five-day festival, whether you are in Jepper or not, you'll be able to listen to many of the unmissable panels and conversations right here on Jepper Bites. We'll be posting those conversations throughout the day, each day of the festival. You can listen and subscribe to Jepper Bites on multiple platforms and apps, including Launchora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, for absolutely free. Again, thank you for listening. <laughs>